Welcome back to Sports Talents. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure you guys like, share, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, listen to us on our podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Follow us on social media platforms. We have a bunch of cool stuff coming for you guys that is almost exclusive to our social media platforms. But I tend to ramble, so I'm not going to do that today. Um, but anyway, we have a special guest today for you guys, Mr. Andrade Fernandez, uh, former writer for The Athletic, covering the Miami Heat and the Miami Marlins and the Miami Herald, or writing for the Miami Herald. But he's now the co-host of the Front Page 305 podcast on SiriusXM. Go check them out now. Uh, well, after you watch this episode, then go check them out. Um, but anyway, thank you, Andre, Andre, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. All right, so let's get right get started. Um, yeah. So the MLB is kind of in a in a chaos right now because mm. the Miami Marlins, uh, I think the numbers are like 18 now. Uh, Miami Marlins players and staff uh, tested positive for the for COVID-19. Uh, first off, what are your thoughts on that? And should we talked about this yesterday? Should the MLB consider canceling the season? Well, I think they haven't reached that point yet, but they're considering all options right now. But they're kind of – I think the one encouraging thing in, in one sense is that the other teams that the Marlins came into contact with really haven't had such a major outbreak, of, at, least not so, at least so far. They're continuing testing to make sure. But that's an encouraging sign that this hasn't spread too far beyond the team. And for now, I mean, they paused the season for the Marlins at least for the next week. The Marlins are, are at least not going to play till next Tuesday maybe beyond because obviously, you know, guys have to quarantine for two weeks to make sure they get better and that sort of thing. But it's something to monitor because like we've seen, it seems like the leagues that are doing these are playing in a bubble environment have been having more success at containing this and, and preventing players from getting sick than, than something like than baseball has using it in the more traditional and, you know, wide open having teams travel sort of thing so far. And we've only had teams that haven't even played six games yet in the season and we've already had that one, at least one major crisis like this with the Marlins. So it's definitely something to monitor. I think for right now, they're going to try to keep uh, pressing on and finding ways to adjust the schedule accordingly. But, you know, it, it doesn't take much else if something else like this were to happen to to potentially sound the alarm and do something like that. Yeah, um, they the Marlins have, I think, 56, uh, 57 games um, left in the season. And then mm -hmm. after their, their two-week pause, or their right now one-week pause, They'd have 56 days to do it. So, um, they're, they're, I know there's a clause in the players' agreement uh, that you can't play um, 20 straight days. So, you know, the Marlins may not even finish their season, assuming they only go through this this one pause and um, no other teams go through a pause as well. Yeah, and that's and that's the complicated part because if you look at the Marlins, I mean, it, it was early, but they were 2-1. and one, And then what if when they get back, they keep winning? You know, then all of a sudden they factor into the pennant races and it could get then that's when it gets even more complicated because then it's like, how do you squeeze enough games while respecting what you just said? You know, even if you play double headers, you have to also take into account, you know, the, not exceeding the too many games in one short span rule, that sort of thing. And and it's obviously having a ripple effect already on several other teams. The Yankees are missing a couple of games already. So are the Phillies. So this is the the longer it stretches out, or if you were to have one unfortunate more incident like this with another team, then it's going to get to a it could get to a breaking point where the commissioner could consider shutting things down, you know, on a more on a wide scale. Yeah, uh, really quickly, follow up question before I go. The New York governor proposed he's, he I think he sent out a tweet saying, "Hey, 
we we're our cases are dropping. If you need need be, come play up here. Do you think that's a plausible option for the MLB? And <laughs> man, for a am very critical of. Uh, yeah. But well, I mean, I think we've seen it. Even you know, we saw the example with the Blue Jays how they're playing away from home. I mean, I I think any option would be on the table right now if something like this were to happen. If the if the Marlins can't do it because Miami has been you know, with such a high case rate and continues to be, uh, you know, it could be a situation where they'd have to consider potentially alternate sites and, you know, continuing to find ways for these, for players and teams to play in environments that are as safe as possible, you know, as as much as you can in this kind of a situation. So, yeah, I think they, they, they would, it would be best for them to consider any potential, you know, plan. All right. um, So here's my thoughts on it. Uh, I agree that the the MLB is one more, no matter who it is, they're one more, especially if it's another team, uh, they're one more, I guess, outbreak away from having to shut things down. And ideally for the MLB, you would want it to be hopefully somewhat toward the back half of the year. So that that way you can be a little more flexible, like closer to the playoffs, you can be a little more flexible which are scheduled, which is why the NBA is going to finish their season. It's got to be a champion because they're so close. And especially for the NBA, they're indoors. So they don't have the weather factor that the MLB does. So let's say, for example, LeBron goes down, not wood, somebody not wood. LeBron goes down with coronavirus in the conference finals. They're not, they're not stopping the season or canceling the rest of the season. In the conference finals, the NBA could just hey take 14 days, come back, or finish the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So ideally, for the MLB, you would want another outbreak if it were to be one towards the end of the year, so you could be more flexible. But yeah, I agree. They're one more. They're one more away from from having to shut things down. But if those yeah, get no. down, then they will be playing through it. And you made the right. And, and another point you made about the weather—it's true because yeah, that was something I was talking about the other day. We're already playing these games in late summer. It's raining all the time in, in New York, in Philly, all up the East Coast, everywhere. And you have to factor that in as well. We already saw some rain delays and the very first game. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily got through, you know, got into the sixth inning. If not, you know, you'd have to, they would have had to pick that up at some point. So, yeah, it's a whole lot of obstacles, though, the earlier these things happen. So, yeah, it, you don't want it to happen at any point, but it minimizes the, the damage later on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. But let's talk about the Heat right quickly. Before we get to this season, this year, and the future, we've had a little argument off camera. More than you know what I'm about to ask. So when Russell Westbrook was uh, about to get traded, there were potential rumors, and actually even our buddy Omar, uh, who lives down in the Miami area, he came on and said and told us Miami was a realistic option, and we already knew that Houston was a realistic option. How close was there? How close was it to a deal getting done for Russ going to Miami, or do you think it was always going to be Russ going to Houston? I think there was some discussion definitely about it. I think it kind of got a little bit, but I, I wonder if he would have actually shown up, if he would have actually come here. I don't, I don't know if a deal was that close to being made, as far as I know. I mean, I wasn't that, like, that, you know, obviously not plugged in to know exactly how close it was, but I think it, it, it was definitely being considered. I mean, look, Pat Riley's going to look for any way to bring the, the highest talent here. We're seeing it right now with, 
the way he'd love to bring, you know, switching into another guy, he'd love to bring a Bradley Beal to Miami next year if he could. You know, obviously the, the rumors, you know, are Giannis this and Giannis that. And then, you know, Giannis could end up staying in Milwaukee, stays loyal to them, but they're going to try to find a way. He's going to try to find the, make one last run at it, you know, and, and I, I could see him totally trying to get Russ here and definitely making that part of the future core if it made sense, if it made sense with all the pieces as far as salary and everything else. Yeah, um, and actually, ironically, Omar has told us Russ and Beal, that was, that was the package. My man, was this, this might have been before yeah. Jimmy Butler came because I don't yeah. know how you would have been able to get that to work. No, but, right, right, before. <laughs> yeah, before Jimmy came, he was one telling us, hey, Jimmy and – not Jimmy, Russ and Jimmy are – no, it was Russ and Jimmy. They could really work, and we were able to talk about Bradley Beal there for a second as, mm. as well, so – yeah, Warner, you have any thoughts or we can get talking about the heat season? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what, what you were talking about. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I think that there there was really two realistic options for Russell Westbrook to go to, but I think he really wanted to go to Houston all along and um, wasn't really – you know, the, the Thunder wanted to do him right for just being great for so long he was. Um, and staying, you know, with the Thunder and staying loyal to him, unlike somebody named Kevin Durant going to Golden State. So, um, so I think he wanted to go to Houston, reunite with James Harden, make a run out of there, and they did him right by uh, by trading him over there. And now it really doesn't matter where who who was in contention because they don't have. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna just call out Warren right quick. So, for the record, this is the second straight time. The rap because he's been like saying the Raptors little bird, the Raptors no, it was always the Heat and the Rockets, and it's been on record that the Thunder, like Warner just pointed out, they were not about to trade Russell Westbrook to anywhere he did not want to go. He did not want to be in Toronto. He did not want to be in Minnesota or wherever the heck else Warren said. Minnesota's just a random place. I just decided the name. But so yeah, just to call him out a little bit, he was not going to Toronto. That was never a deal on the um, okay, now we can just talk about this their, their season this year because Mr. Warner said Jimmy Butler was the most overrated move of the offseason. I'm not going to let that down. Um, so really quickly before we get to the heat, how optimistic are you that the season's going to finish we're going to crown the game? I think they can. I mean, I, I think what the signs right now show that this bubble environment is helping. I mean, even now, I think Shams Charania even sent out a tweet a little while ago saying that, again, there were zero cases reported out of all the tests. So it looks like they're having more uh, – well, it's, it's showing that they're having more success than, than you look at uh, the way baseball's doing it. And I think that's going to help. I mean, you, you're bound to have some slips here and there. You're, about to have, you're bound to have some cases pop up, potentially. But on the scale of what we're seeing with baseball and the Marlins – hard to say but I mean so far it seems like it's working and yeah I mean I think as long as nobody does anything silly no you know nobody goes uh, for the lunch specials at any strip clubs or anything like that uh, again I think we'll be fine yeah um, now we can start talking about the heat so me and Warner have both on record we've picked the heat as the biggest threat to the Bucks because of their size versatility and shooting are they heat serious contenders right now, in your opinion? If not, how close are they? They're serious contenders if they can put an effort like what they had during the season against the Bucks. But if they look like they did against the Grizzlies yesterday, I know it was a scrimmage, but 
some of the ugly signs that have kept them down this year, you know, surfaced again. The defense didn't look good. They're giving up too many threes. You know, they're they're it, it, on the they're too, committing too many turnovers. If that team, if they can if they can avoid that consistently, yes, I think they'll be able to push a lot of these teams, including Milwaukee, for a chance and make a run at least, maybe come out of the East. But it's just it's happened so often this year that. They just don't go two, three games without some something like this really popping up that it worries me because they're they're going to face such a gauntlet for starters just in those seeding games to even get to the playoffs. And then if they don't do well, if they, you know, if they go two and six or something terrible like that, suddenly you drop and you find yourself in a series maybe against Boston or Toronto. And we know they didn't fare well against the Celtics during the season either. So, you know, that, that could put them in a really difficult spot where it would, it, it would be hard to see them contending. But if they... I think that's what it comes down to. If their defense can step up in the playoffs and, and contain these guys and, and do a better job like they did in the couple games, especially the second time they played the Bucks, I mean, that's the only way it happens. But that's hard to sustain for a series, as we know. Yeah. Um, I think the Heat in – I forget who it was, Warner. Maybe you'll refresh my memory if you remember. It might have been Matt yesterday. They brought the only thing that I think the Heat's problem, biggest problem was, I trust the defense. I'm a little, well, not trust. I'm a little bit more optimistic that the defense will find its way first off because Bo's a great coach. Jimmy's a great leader. Um, and there's just too much defensive talent on that team. Iggy, Crowder, Jimmy Butler. Granted, Iggy is the same player. And actually, now we were talking, another Marlins player says positive. But Jimmy, Bam, Derek Jones Jr., there's just too much defensive talent on that team. But I think Matt pointed this out. The biggest problem that concerns him, and now I think about it kind of concerns me, is their youth. There's a lot of young guys on that team that don't have experience. But that's why I think the guys like uh, Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, that is a champion, three-time champion, um, and a finals MVP, you know, that never happened. Um, who else? I mean, Jay Crowder's been in some deep playoff runs as well. So – I, I guess the inexperience in the fact that you're relying a lot on the young guys because Hero's going to play a bunch of minutes. Robinson's going to play a bunch of minutes. None's going to play a bunch of minutes. Like, a lot out of bio. Even Bam. Yeah, Bam. Even Bam so, in the first playoff, real playoff run. Yeah, so – yeah, so probably my biggest concern is the is the, uh, is the uh, lack of experience. But next year – it's going to be a gauntlet next year, but 2021, as long as Jimmy's still healthy and they get some ideas, the Heat are going to win a championship in the next five years. Too much talent. Yeah, I mean, if and especially if you add that piece. I mean, if you look at a, at a squad that has Bam, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler, you take the scoring pressure off Jimmy. He could do a little more of what he's done this season, let Bradley do all the scoring, and then bam as, as versatile as he is or if they really get their the, the big one and you combine the two two of the most ver- the, probably the two most versatile players in Giannis and him I mean that's the long shot I still think in a way but imagine that combo too I mean but that's why in a way I kind of like the Beal move because of the of how it fits and how it spreads the, the offense out better you know we, I did a story at the athletic about how it's rare when you have the 30 plus year old guy being your leading scorer. You can't really depend on that so much. I mean, unless it's someone, if you look at it historically, it's only the really special players like the Kobe's, the Jordans, 
you know, th those iconic guys that were able to carry that into their thirties and be LeBron, of course, <laughs> right. to be, to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can throw a bunch of names in there, but it's, it's, it, it's, the, you, it's on another level that as you know, Jimmy, as good as he is, he's not that sort of level, obviously a player. And, and that's the thing. Like, I think the key is to bring that source of offense for them and kind of take the pressure on Jimmy and not force him to, to be that guy that has to score 20, 22 points. Warner. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really, really, um, really just unstoppable lineup. Honestly, I think, I think uh, Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee, but I, I can see, you know, if the wizards think that the John Wall Bradley Beal thing isn't going to work out, I can see him maybe going to a Miami heat. Although I think they'd prefer to let him go to a Western conference team just to, you know, not have him <clears throat> compete in the East. But um, if the, I, I don't even think the Heat necessarily need to get that second piece. I think if they just develop their young talent, I think Robinson, Hero, those those young guys, none can be very, very good um, all-star caliber players, maybe even NBA first, second, or third team. So, um, you know, I, I think with those guys just gaining um, experience and, and, you know, molding their game into a more well-rounded – uh, polished game as they get older, um, still being in their mid twenties, it, it's going to be a really successful uh, time. Assuming you know Eric Spoelstra can still you know, get get everything he needs to out of those players, and Jimmy Butler is still the you know the leader and the the ferocious just athlete he is on the court. Yeah, um, that's actually an interesting point, and uh, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just overly high on on Tyler Hero. But I honestly think Hero, his absolute highest ceiling, like if absolute 100% best case scenario for Hero, is if he is Clay Thompson. He's better offensively in terms of skill set. He'll never be as good as a shooter as Clay Thompson. Let me get that out of the way. But in terms of what he can do with the ball, he's just as good as Clay off the ball. He has the pick and roll game in his bag as well. I think he... And he can improve defensively. So I think absolute best case scenario, he could be a Clay Thompson, except a little bit better with the pick and roll and a little bit more shooting shooter. But I wouldn't say it's uh, they need absolutely need to get another piece. But I'm looking at it from the advantage. Like you look at next year, KD. We talked about it yesterday. KD and Kyrie will be back. The Pacers will be at full strength for once. Uh, the Celtics will bring everybody back. I think I don't think they'll lose anybody major next year. Yeah. Uh, the Raptors pretty much the same team. The Bucks are gonna have another Romer Giannis. Uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. The Heat, obviously. The Sixers. Well, that's why I, I miss the Sixers because they're relevant right now. But in the Sixers, they'll try to run it back. I feel so. That's why I think for next year you'll need somebody. But 2021, especially if Giannis leaves, that's a star-studded. Uh, free agency class. So 2021, I think, would definitely be there. You give them another year to develop, like you said, Warner, their young talent in the playoffs. So, uh, so yeah, I, I agree with that point. Yeah, I, I think it's a wrap. I think they are definitely 100% getting a chip if they get that piece like Bradfield. Oh, yeah, but um, I think they still have a shot at it if, if they don't get anybody significant. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, is which move, because you can get Giannis and not lose some of the young pieces, but if you get Beal, 
you're going to have to pay a price to the Wizards to to do it. And that, that price could include a hero or a Robinson potentially, or, you know, maybe in a package along with, say, Kendrick Nunn or something like that, because Washington's going to want a lot if they're going to give him up. Now, actually, question, how to bring that up, how much would you give up for a Bradley Beal? I mean, he's a, he's, he's a game changer as far as that goes. I mean, it would pain me to give up Tyler or Robinson seeing how or, – or Kendrick in some combination. But, I mean, the way I look at it for the Heat, they may have to give up at least two out of three to be able to get him. And that, that's a hefty price tag to, to get him. But if, when you look at it, you, you look at the caliber of the three guys that you would put together, Butler, Bam, and Beal. And, yeah, you, you are sacrificing, you know, some of that future, obviously. But maybe it's worth it to Pat Riley to, to, to have a, win, a championship window again of a couple of years there where you, you're almost automatically, you know, in that, at least in that one and two where you look like it's either championship or finals for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think he kind of feels the pressure to get one done um, quickly. Because the, the window – for every Easter Conference team, since LeBron left, the the sense of urgency by every team has just grown exponentially. Like the Sixers, they built their roster accordingly, kind of poor, but they built it. Um, the Bucks putting pieces around Giannis, Pat Riley in a weird, like low, like underrated way, just building that roster full of G League players that turned out to be really good serviceable players. Uh, the Pacers had to reload. Um, so, yeah, everybody is – the window is closing, I feel, for every team. That's why I don't think the Nets are going to win, if they win one, more than one championship. I don't think there's going to be any team in the East to win more than one, at least in a row. So, so yeah. Yeah, and if, if you remember, I mean, the, all major sports are not supposed to see these anomalies that we're seeing in, the, in recent uh, years, like the last decade, maybe even two. Uh, we're, we're not supposed to see these dynasties. You know, you had uh, MJ and the Bulls in the 90s. You had Tom Brady and the, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And then you had LeBron in the East uh, going to the finals eight straight years. But, you know, the, these dynasties are not supposed to be so great. We're just seeing, you know, generational players, generational coaches come together and, um, you know, put these teams forward that just always find a way, whether it's between because they're in a weak division or conference like the AFC East or the Eastern Conference, um, or whether it's just they're just so good like the Warriors were that they make it to the finals every year and they cannot be stopped unless, you know, somebody blows out their Achilles and tears their ACL. So, Clay Thompson, can't be right. Um, so, so um, you know, with, with that being said, I think the windows, we, we might see a new team in the finals or, or in the conference finals even, for the East and maybe even the West uh, as LeBron, you know, ages and eventually retires and Kawhi ages and either his body breaks down or he retires. Um, so we're, I think we're going to see a new team every year for, for at least a little while because uh, we don't really have that next generational superstar um, solidified yet. You know, Zion could be one, Tatum could be one, um, Giannis could be one, but I don't think we have that next LeBron James, Michael Jordan kind of superstar solidified set in stone for, for the next 15 years. And that's why the Warriors dynasty is so impressive to be able to do what they did. First off, revolutionizing basketball. Cause before then it was still a bunch of mid range jumpers. But what Steph and what Steve Kerr, what Clay Thompson did 
for that five-year run is unprecedented. I think we're kind of underlooking. They're bringing the same championship team, pretty like the core. They're bringing the same core back with Steph, the greatest shooter of all time, Clay, probably the second best shooter of all time. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's crazy. and arguably, in terms like your shooting might be better than Steph. Steph. The difference between Steph and Clay, Steph does it off the bounce. That's that's why I think we give Steph the nod. But um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I wanted to touch on your point. And but yeah, that's why that's why Golden State is so impressive. The run that they did. But LeBron, what he did for eight straight years, running through the Eastern Conference, is so impressive. Because now. The West is still better, but one through seven, like fully healthy, one through seven, the East is possibly even better. And even if you look at Miami, say they did pull off the move and did bring Giannis, but that's the thing. That window's not going to be five years because Jimmy's going to get older, and then at some point you're going to need other pieces to step up or acquire whoever to to put around them. So it's hard. It would be hard to put something even close to the caliber of what we saw with Golden State that could just dominate the league for five years in a row like that. Yeah, and like Warner said, there's nobody on LeBron's level that could just one night be honest. Like, as of now, as of now, I think now, I'd yeah. see some some players develop into that, um, or you know, Giannis maybe he shoots 550 threes a day over the summer and just becomes a 45 percent shooter from three. Yeah, a little bit more threes than that, <laughs> minimum but, uh, a thousand. But um, you know, it's it's just it's all about the the you know, the further development of, of the game for any player over the offseason. And, um, you know, some of those players have a shot at being the best or one of the best of all time, and some of them just don't. And, you know, that's that's what we're going to see coming coming up um, in the next year, year and a half. Yeah. All right. So let's start wrapping up here a little bit. i got two more questions for you. We kind of touched up on this, but how big of a chance is it that Miami lands Giannis? Offseason. And really quickly, we forget Kawhi's in that free agency class. Paul George is in that free agency class. I think LeBron's either that year or the year after. So yeah. it's a big 2021 20, free agency class. Well, my, my, just from covering it, and, and I, I think my personal, my thought odds have dropped a little bit because I, I still get the sense like maybe Giannis is going to stay put. Like, I feel like he wants to build something over there. And, and a lot of it's going to depend on how these playoffs go. If they can do something, it'll be interesting to see how far Milwaukee goes, if they can pull it off, if they can win it this year. But it, I see it more difficult to pull that than I see somehow Riley, you know, putting on putting on his godfather outfit again and getting pulling some kind of a trade to maybe bring Beal over to Miami. I could somehow see them, even though it's a little more complicated move, I could see them pulling off something like that or some or a similar move like that by next season. Yeah, and then we can go to the final question, even though you're wrong, but they're not going to win. They probably hope I'm wrong, I, I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, so first off, is Coach Bo your coach of the year? And then who's your favorite to win the NBA championship? I'm still leaning towards one of the L.A. teams right now. I don't know if it's, it's the Lakers or the Clippers, but I think one of them is going to have the best shot. And, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Spo will win coach of the year, but I think he deserves definitely some serious consideration because if you look at what he's done to, to elevate this team, for a team that people thought would be on the lower end of the playoff spectrum to 
you know, I guess could still conceivably end up as the sixth seed if things don't go well. But just to see the run that they made ascending all the way to number two, the way they beat the Bucks twice, they, they, they've exceeded expectations in a lot of areas this year with a young team. That, and I, I think he definitely deserves to be in there in the mix, at least maybe top three when it comes to the coach of the year consideration for sure. Yeah, I think you're the first person we've had on that said Coach Bo. I think everybody else – I mean, you can't go wrong with this. Everybody else has said uh, Coach Nick Nurse from Toronto. But, Warner, uh, I don't think we've ever got your Coach of the Year thoughts. So what are your thoughts on Coach of the Year? One time. I will save it again. I think Billy Donovan's going to be the Coach of the Year, and I think he should be, and I think he deserves it. Um, we never thought of the Thunder as maybe not even making the playoffs. And they're sitting comfortably in, in the playoff race in the West – which is still a better better conference in the East, top to bottom. Um, the East may be more top-loaded, but um, I think the West still has, you know, just a better team or, or better teams, uh, one, through, one, one through 12 or, or however many teams there are. Um, you know, and then, <laughs> and then um, you know, just the way he's done it with Chris Paul being his best player, they, sh- they still have a realistic shot to, you know, get the three seed in the West. So um, it, it's just what he's done with that team. And um, after trading Paul George, Russell Westbrook, their two best players, two arguably top 15 players. Um, I think it's just remarkable how, how he and, and has gotten Chris Paul to, you know, come maybe play like his vintage self, get, uh, you know, Gilders Alexander and Gallinari to uh, really produce for that team and, and really not, not lose much of a step. Yeah, and I've been on record begging that we get a Rockets Thunder series in the first round. That would, I'll, I'll, I might not watch any other basketball than a Rockets Thunder series round one. Just to see Chris Paul beat the Rockets, I think Thunder will win. But uh, Billy won't win it, even though I think he does deserve some love. Um, I don't like to coach Bud, but Budenholzer for the uh, for the Bucks. I don't like that. Like a lot of people, I give him coach of the year votes because if you're going to give him coach of the year votes you got to give Frank Vogel some as well because people a lot of people were saying the Lakers are going to be a fifth seed and Frank Vogel's possibly got the defensive player of the year he's energized LeBron to the point where he's gotten LeBron to play his best basketball defensively at least since the 2012 Miami year um, on the defensive side of the ball so if we're going to give Bud some votes let's give Vogel some votes but you got to go with either uh, Coach Bo or Coach Nick Nurse. But Nick Nurse has done in Toronto post Kawhi because pretty much they traded DeMar DeRozan in two years. They got DeMar's gone, Fernald's gone, Kawhi's gone, Danny Green's gone. Any other team, you're like, uh, they're not making the playoffs. But Nick they got Nurse, a chip, though. <laughs> they, did they, get the chip. they did get the chip. But any other team, you're like, oh, they're not making the playoffs. And the, the Raptors, not only are they making the playoffs, there's a freaking two-seed in the Eastern Conference, which is crazy. Um, you can either go with him or Coach Bo. They're two, probably the two best coaches right now um, in terms of, like, basketball minds, not just not uh, really production yet. But as far as, like, basketball minds on both sides of the ball, they're maybe the two best Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, well, that's what I was saying, probably top three, because, I mean, I think Spoh deserves at least serious consideration. But the job, like you said, the job Nick Nurse has done is tremendous considering what he was facing at the start of the season and, and, and how much they've succeeded with the squad they've gotten after losing him, so, after losing Kawhi. So. Yeah. 
and the Lakers are winning the championship. So that's one of them. There you go. All right. So <laughs> last thing, and we'll wrap up. So we debuted this segment yesterday. This is our new closing segment for the end of every episode with a special guest. We're playing flip the table. Go ahead, Warner. Try to flip your table right quick. Uh, oh, 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 okay. That that was an epic fail. But basically. Corny name aside, flip the table is basically when the special guests, if they have any questions for me or Warner related to the show, basketball, sports in general, or just anything, is you can add Gavetti. So flip the table, Andre. Well, we're talking about a, a little bit of diff- a few different sports. Do we have a football season? I'll ask you guys, what do you think? Do they pull it off and can they play? I think they're going to start. I don't think there's any way they finish. I, I think I said yesterday they're going to get back to week nine, week 10, week 11. And it's just – it's going to be too much. And, and the players are either going to sit out or or the uh, Goodell and the owners are going to have to call it. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're going to start simply because the owners, all they really care about are their pockets. Um, even, even though all owners care about their pockets, that's kind of irrational. But the NFL a little bit more than others. But um, in, I also, like I said yesterday, I, I have this weird feeling the NFL are going to push it so they can't push it anymore, which scares me a little bit. But I agree. There's definitely going to be a start to the season. Um, they, they won't finish it. They, will, they, they won't crown the champion this year. But it'll definitely start. There's no way. <laughs> I don't think they'll make it to the playoffs. They won't even make it to the playoffs. There's no way you're going outside for the majority of the season traveling. There's no way you're going to go from August or the season starts September, September to February outside. Seven is not. It's and, not. And if you think about it, you're going through the winter. The winter is the coldest time of the year when your immune system's down. You're more likely to get sick, mm-hmm. whether it's COVID or, or any other illness. Yeah, which, which was actually what my point was about the baseball, like weather conditions. The longer you delay it, most of it's played outside. The longer you delay it, the colder it's going to get, which, like, one of the points, that's going to affect the players. It's hard to play baseball in the cold, too. Yeah. Once you hit September, or even and then October for sure, you know, yeah. the pitcher's arms, all of that, it's going to start freezing up. Yeah. But anyway, thank you, Andre, for joining us here on Sports 10 Lines. We really appreciate having you on with us. Thank you, Warner, as always. We have another one like 15 minutes, so go ahead, uh, get, your, get your crackers and your peaches and nectarines that you love to eat for no reason. But anyway, thank you for watching Sports Headlines, the most authentic place in sports. Again, Andre, thanks for joining. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Thanks for coming.